0: We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about dialogue and discourse. I've got some notes here that going to help us kind of walk through this, but the reason you're getting this podcast today is because I recently had, um, I don't want to say an exchange. I wouldn't elevate this to the level of exchange. Um, somebody took umbrage, I suppose with an article that Todd Clippard wrote for Christianity now about does God still speak to us today? And, Incidentally, it's, I mean, it's a really good article. Um, fact is, let me see if I can hold on a second. Well, Tony, I thought I had this pulled up where I could open the article. I was going to, I was going to hit you. I was going to hit the high points of the article. Bear with me. I'm going to, I'm going to go to my Facebook page and find it. Um, Anyway, it spawned me to write an article: cessationism and continuationism, a scriptural analysis, and a challenge to triangulation. I wanted to talk about triangulation when it comes to um, when it comes to people having discourse and dialogue. A lot of times, what we do, and and listen, th- this is not just the tool of a narcissist or uh, uh, some kind of pathological individual. It is pathological behavior to triangulate but it's its behavior that happens a lot we want to associate ourselves with things that we approve and we want to dissociate ourselves from things that are not approved and if you are talking to somebody and you're trying to convince them you of the position that they hold is not a valid view you might do something to the effect of well you understand that that that's not the popular view or you understand that there are many, many people, many, many scholars that agree with my point of view, and the implication is there are not as many or not many that agree with yours. Folks, that is triangulation. You are, you are triangulating people away from one another. The most effective way to participate in discourse and dialogue and debate is to find common ground. If you find common ground first, then you have a much better chance of not devolving into just a war that's shot's over the bow as it were anyway um when i saw that comment i thought ad hominems don't work logically yeah the author of this post has a demon yeah i mean that that's, that's the funny the funny thing um and i can't remember where that is but yeah somebody actually said about the the, the article that Todd wrote that the author of this post has a demon. Like you didn't engage with any of the arguments. And quite frankly, Todd wrote a masterful article. In fact, he he did a better job than the topic that I gave him warranted. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted him to write an article about does God speak to people today? And he, he did one better. Let me, let me clear. He, he put a section in called clarifying the question. This is a great question and one that needs answering, yet is one that is difficult to succinctly articulate. A clarification of the question is, does God speak directly to people as he did in the Bible? And then we go back and everything that Todd writes in his his article is a support for that question. And the proposition is that God speaks to people through the word only. Um, so God, so Todd supports that God, uh, Todd supports that, uh, thesis. So it's, it's really good. And like I said, it's, he, he brings in the sufficiency of scripture, the need for miraculous proof, biblical examples of a miraculous proof. Uh, he, here's a good one. Um, additionally, we would speak, we should speak briefly of a poor argument against the idea of God speaking to people today. Specifically, it is often said, if God speaks to people today, it makes him a respecter of persons because he doesn't speak to everyone and he hasn't spoken to me. Well, this argument is fallacious on a couple of accounts. First, even when God was speaking directly to men in the days of old or in the days of the Bible, he did not speak to everyone. So the argument falls on that account alone. But second, the question is not, did God speak directly to this person, but Where is the proof that God spoke to this person? Where is the miracle confirming confirming this supposed direct revelation? And that's the that that that's the issue. If 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 you say God speaks to you, all I've got to do is say no, he no he doesn't. And you say, well, why do you say that? Because God spoke to me and told me he didn't talk to you. I messed with a fella not too long ago. Uh, about that it may be on this message thread where I kept messing with him like oh thank you so much yeah no it wasn't it was in a it was in a private message where somebody private messaged me on Christianity Now and I'm like you're saying you're saying then that if you're calling me a demon and you're calling me a blasphemer because I deny that God spoke to you but Where's your proof? And how do you even know it was God? Uh, We have, I got a video queued up from, of all people, John MacArthur. John MacArthur is a false teacher. However, he is a very well-respected scholar in the circles of academia in Christendom. And quite frankly, I think he's got a backbone the size of a sequoia. But that's a different podcast. Uh, Let me check the... uh, Oh, well, um, my father, hold on a second. Let me get the comments here. Terry Crooks. My father resisted leaving me even amidst his pain. I reassured him that it was acceptable to depart and that I would be strong. Sadly, he passed away last night. Terry Crooks, I am very sorry for your loss. The weight and sorrow surrounds me and every corner aches. I cannot imagine. I'm losing, losing my father. Uh, it it hurt badly. And, uh, yeah, my, my pain and experience is totally different than yours. I, I cannot, I cannot imagine what you're going through. Debbie Mangus and Connie Barden. Good morning. Good morning. John Exum. Um, Diana Harden. Good morning. Scott Beck. Good morning to all. Yeah. Uh, John, John Exum says, when I saw that comment about Tide being a demon, I thought ad hominems don't work logically. Yeah, they don't, but hey, you know, we can try. Yeah, Tide, whenever, so I, I shared the, the post on Facebook and I said, uh, the author of this article was called a demon or something like that. And Tide, Todd, Tide's response was, I'm so upset by this hurtful accusation that I'll probably have to wash down a handful of Ambien with a pint of hard cider to sleep tonight. My response was, you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. Todd has got a good sense of humor about stuff like that. All right. So anyway, you get the idea. And now here, here's what I'm getting at. And and in fact, we're gonna we're gonna watch this video by John MacArthur. It's a short video where John McArthur MacArthur is a cessationist. A cessationist is somebody that believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for a set time during the foundation of the church and after the apostolic age that they are no longer in the world. Well, just because John MacArthur says it doesn't mean it's right, and if I can find a million billion people that agree with me, that doesn't mean that I'm right. But it also doesn't mean that I'm a nutter either. Which is that's how these people treat us. That's how that's how people treat others, rather I should say. Um, hello, Sword and Pearl. It's so good to see you. So, um, yeah, I have sent MacArthur at least his ministry material. I pay one day he repents and obeys the gospel. I do too, John. I do too. But the thing about it is, if if I'm wrong, I want you to argue with me, and I want you to come with your absolute best arguments, with your best objections, with your best pushbacks, because if I can counter those with my defense, then I am bolstered in my position. But if I cannot, then I am going to be able to change my way of thinking. Listen. If we we have all, every one of us, myself included. Proverbs twenty-seven, the first um, section of that scripture. This is what this is probably something that we all need to assimilate. Every member of Christendom. Listen, I'm going to read the first. I don't know eight verses. I'm not going to exegete them because I've done that so many times. But basically, the, what this is stating is. You need to have some self-confidence. You need to be, you don't need to be a quote-unquote strong independent person because no man is an island. That's the problem with modern feminism. Well, women need a man like a fish need a bicycle. No, women need men. Does that surprise you? But guess what? Men need women as well. Men and women cannot ever, never, ever be independent of one another. That's the problem with modern feminism. So no no person is an island. Men need the things women can offer and 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 women need the things men can offer because men and women are not interchangeable. However, you have got to be somewhat of a self-actualized person that doesn't that that your self-worth isn't codependent with someone else and what someone else thinks. I can't remember Uh, Oh, it was tied. It was tied yesterday. We were talking about, you know, we, we order our ministry irrespective of what other people think, but that does not mean that we do not care what other people think. There are like, I care what John Exum thinks about me. I care what, I care what you people on the, on the, that I've never met. I care what y'all think about me now. Do I do I let what you think about me change how I'm going to order my ministry? Some a, a little, a little like if I started doing if I started doing podcast where I never read any comments, I never engaged the audience or anything like that, and my and my listening audience started dwindling. I said, "Hey, what's what's up?" And my audience said, "Well, you used to." say hello to us, and you used to read our comments, but you don't anymore, so it's not as engaging, so we kind of go to listen to somewhere else. Well, I care what you think, so I'm going to change because I want to have a successful platform. I want to bring value to you, and I want to equip you. I mean, I think I've got something to offer. If I didn't think I have something to offer, I wouldn't be doing this, but the point is, I'm not going to change any of my core beliefs. I'm not going to, like it, Like if John Exum suddenly Comes up one day and you know he's an atheist. Well, that doesn't—that's that's not going to change me, because as much as I care for John Exum, that's that, that that's too far. Now, say all of that. A good, healthy—because you might be saying, "Well, Tony, where's the line?" Well, the guidance on how much you should change based on how much you care for others is right here. It needs to be healthy and it needs to have good boundaries, and this is what this passage of scripture is stating. That's it true we complement each other, we're designed to need each other, talking about men and women. Absolutely. All right. Boast not of thyself of tomorrow boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul loatheth an honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. If if you don't have a sense of independence, if you, if you are codependent with the people around you and your value and your worth in your own mind is wrapped up in what other people think of you and what other people believe and what other people approve of, then you will be a very hungry soul, and all manner of toxicity will taste sweet to you. That is the nature of codependency. That's a nature of an enmeshed codependent relationship. We need to have proper boundaries. Now, look, when it comes to when it comes to my convictions, when it comes to the truth of God's word, when it comes to the academic convictions that I hold that are not, that are not matters of fellowship. I hold those independent of what anybody else around me thinks. And if you have a million people on your side and I'm the only person in the world that believes that way, the fact that I'm the only person has no bearing whatsoever on what I believe. In fact, you still, the burden is on you to, to engage with my arguments and to defeat my arguments and I'll change as we all should. I'm, I'm using me as a, as, as a, um, as an avatar for the audience, but every one of us, it's the editorial me, we, and us, you know, we, we, we should all be this way. We should all change that. That, that should be the desire for every one of us. And in order to do that, and we need to learn the lesson from Proverbs 27, one through eight there. We don't need to be a soul that is so bereft of nutrition that every bitter thing is sweet and we compromise on who we are. We need to be self-actualized in as, in as much as we can be. we have to We have to find our worth internally in our relationship between us and God, between us and reality. And then from that position, we can take what other people say and their critiques and we can, we can change and, and reassess as needed, but that's how dialogue and discourse should work, but you can't engage in healthy dialogue and discourse. If your soul is so hungry that every bitter thing is sweet, because then you'll be like that Aaron Tippin song from the, I think it was the 90s. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on a string. Can't be a yes man. Who cares if Adam had a belly button or not? What does that have to do with me and salvation? Just an example. I've had people come at odds and call others with an opinion on non-essential matters guilty of teaching false doctrine. Absolutely. And uh, Willie Bitson says, amen, brothers, or amen. Thank you for sharing with us, brothers appreciate that and or i don't know who he was we have a uh, an audience member today that's going through grief and she shared something so i don't know if that was Willie to terry crooks saying thank you for sharing but regardless thank you terry for sharing this thing you're going through with us today and yeah that's that's all about all i got to say about that i'm a little awkward it's okay just overlook me um now let me get me get my headphones on and uh first off let's talk about this idea of cessationism real quick. All right? So we're going to let uh we're going to let Johnny Mac play John MacArthur. Most of you know that a few months ago Uh oh, can y'all hear him? Oh no. Now, John MacArthur is not going to teach you the proper way to obey the gospel. John MacArthur's a false teacher. We can talk about that more at length, but he, he he will not teach the plain and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. he 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 believes like he's a he's a staunch Calvinist, but he is a cessationist, and I want you to listen to this.
1: Go, we had a strange fire conference, and
0: the Strange fire conference is a conference that either he or somebody put together, specifically to combat this narrative that evidently started around the first of the 20th century, the turn of the 20th century, that these apostolic miracles are in the world today, all right? Oh, yeah, I have a red flag with people that begin a critique with flattering speech, then point blank blast negative after negative. Yeah, I I, I don't look if you're going to come to me and you're you're dissatisfied with something i've said or done don't patronize me So, hey tony you said xyz and i took offense to that why did you say that because it, it it's really kind of nasty you know oh well john you know i really love you john and you're an amazing speaker and i know you're doing a good work down there in hannibal john and and you know, you and I go way back, and and you're just a good person. I think that you're a wonderful scholar, you're and you're so intelligent. But, and then everything after the but is a negation of what comes before the but. I'm with you, John Exum, and Debbie Mangus says prayer for ter- prayers for Terry dealing with grief. Absolutely. In fact, I, I I'm a real big proponent of compartmentalization, and there's a time and place for everything. Normally, this podcast is not a place where we do uh, liturgy or something like that. It's just me talking and, and pontificating and stuff like that. But um, I'm, I'm rather affected by this. I think we ought to go to God in prayer and say a prayer of comfort and offer up our, our sister before the throne. So let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we are mindful at this time of the loss of the father of Terry Crooks. Uh, we cannot imagine the grief that she is going through. Father, you are the God of mercy, the father of mercy and the God of all comfort. We pray father that in whatever way we can be a comfort to Terry this morning or this afternoon, as the case may be, we pray that she is surrounded by good influences and good people in her life that can bring her peace and comfort during this chaotic and tumultuous time. Father, we, uh, In as much as we have the ability and authority, we commend the soul of our father into your hands. Father, we know that you're the judge of all the earth and you will do right. And we love you. Uh, Help us to take solace and comfort in the fact that one day your son will return and we won't have to deal with anything negative, any kind of loss, any kind of pain or hardship or trials after that. Help us to remain faithful until the end father and, and be with Terry and, and strengthen her during this time of grief. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, the only reason I'm showing this video by John MacArthur is to just further drive home the fact that if you are what is referred to as a cessationist, you're not alone. Regardless of your regardless of the feelings or the opinion or the triangulation that others try to use against you you're not alone and even people that would disagree with your theology as far as how to become a christian and how to remain faithful and on several different even people who disagree vehemently on core beliefs they can unite in the belief that we are living in a in a day that we have matured past the need for Miracles all
1: right and uh, we, we talked about the aberrant charismatic Pentecostal movement that has dominated the event evangel-
0: aberrant that's a good word to the aberrant view we are treated as if we hold the aberrant view but the funny thing is the aberrant view is not the continuationism that that miracles have continued, from the first century till today, the aberrant view is actually that. Hold on a second. The aberrant view is not that the age of miracles ended in the first century. The aberrant view is that miracles continue today. And uh, let me get a definition. A-B-E-R-A-N-T. Aberrant is departing from the accepted standard This somewhat aberrant behavior requires an explanation. Um, Aberrant is atypical or abnormal, deviating from the usual or natural type. So the aberrant viewpoint is not continuationism. The aberrant viewpoint is actually—excuse me—the aberrant viewpoint is not cessationism. I'm going to confuse people to no end. I keep getting those my wires crossed. I'm going to repeat it one more time. The aberrant view is not cessationism. The aberrant view is continuationism. But the proponents for continuationism, they come in and they attack through ad hominem attacks, and they don't deal honestly or they don't deal at all with the scripture, with the arguments they just attack you personally, and they say you are alone. Because if they triangulate you and they get you alone, they, well, they um, they feel like they can have power over you because it's human nature to want to be part of the in group and not the out group. And Terry Crooks, you are very welcome to our prayers. What am I doing now? Oh, yeah. Let's finish this from Johnny Mac
1: Evangelical landscape and even spread around the world, somewhere between half a billion and 750 million people claim to be a part of this movement.
0: Half a billion to 750 million. So half to three quarters of a billion people claim to be part of this continuationism, this Pentecostal movement. Now question, if that many people have access to power from the Holy ghost in an age where you have this little device right here. This is my cell phone. And incidentally, this is a three or four years old model, maybe five years old now, but in an age where everyone basically has a news studio, a video capturing studio in their hip pocket, Bona fide, undeniable miracles would be all over television, would be all over YouTube, but they're not. It's funny how it's funny how that happens. It's funny how transparency slays the occult. You know, in 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 rural Appalachia, we had witch doctors and. Uh, and haints and all that stuff in the hills and the hollers. And with the advent of cell towers all through Appalachia, all of those magic men and magic women just kind of disappeared. It's funny how that works. Anyway, let's keep going. Oh, the point that I was going to make, with a half a billion to 750 million people being part of this charismatic movement, well, there'd just be miracles everywhere. Remember, in the first century, nobody argued whether or not the age of miracles was upon them. Nobody said, hey, I can do a miracle. And the person in the crowd said, well, no, you can't because of in book, chapter, and verse. They would just say, well, if you think you can do a miracle, do it. I think we ought to have more of that. But that's not the reason for the show today. So let, let's, finish, let's finish Johnny Mac's video.
1: And it raised the question of what is called cessationism. Uh, That kind of awkward word simply defines the belief that the New Testament miraculous gifts ceased. They ceased. That has been the normative historical view of the church through the church's life. He's correct.
0: I'm looking it up. The aberrant view is continuationism, not cessationism. So don't let these people try to triangulate you.
1: All the way back to the New Testament and on into the modern era. But since the turn of the 20th century, there has been the birth of a, of a strange uh, Pentecostal and then charismatic movement that wants to affirm that all, all the signed gifts, miraculous gifts are back including prophets and
0: so there's two viewpoints actually the viewpoint is that they were revived in the early at the turn of the 20th century in the united states and then there's another viewpoint of they never actually left whichever one that that's that's continuationism including apostles and he's going to make a wonderful argument against Continuationism, not from Scripture, but from logic. Just from reasoning, and he's correct. It's a it's an argument that I've used um, a multiplicity of times, and I didn't learn it from him. He didn't, he certainly didn't learn it from me.
1: Uh, and you might say, well, does it really matter? Is it a peripheral issue? Well, uh, depends on what you mean by peripheral. Um, it doesn't affect the gospel necessarily, but but it affects something very, very important that is related to the gospel, and that is divine revelation.
0: Which I put forth that it does directly affect the gospel. Because if if we can't trust that God's word is complete, then we're still waiting little by little line up on line. And Paul actually, in First Corinthians 14, references that from the book of Isaiah. W- Revelation is no longer piecemeal. It's no longer little by little, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. It's a one and done. As Jude, the faith that was once in the American Standard 1901 adds, for all delivered. It, it was once delivered, it's done. No more deliverance. So therefore, what I have in my New Testament is authoritative. However, if there's three quarters of a billion people in the world today that have access to the miraculous gifts, then my Bible is worthless. It's it's it's, it's okay. I mean, it's not really worthless, but I can't trust it. I need I need revelation plus what's already written. And the, the comment, that as goes the proclamation, so should the demonstration. That's it.
1: Because if you're saying God is still speaking through prophets, still speaking through apostles, then he's not finished speaking. So that I need my Bible and a prophet. Or-
0: Very good point. And if we go to first, or we go to second peter chapter one verse three well verse two grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of god and the lord jesus christ according as he has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness by the power of him that hath called us to glory and virtue well the only way you have knowledge of god and the lord jesus christ is through the scriptures and if everything was in the world during the time of the writing of the book of Second Peter, which would have been in the mid-60s A.D., and according to scholars, was not the last book of the Bible written, well, everything that pertains to life and godliness was in the world in the first century, and it just needed to be written down for us. Romans fifteen four, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And from Paul's perspective in the first century, that was the Old Testament. From our perspective in the 21st century, whatsoever things written aforetime written for our learning, that's the New Testament and the Old Testament. I have everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that knowledge is given unto me in God's word. It's kind of ironic that MacArthur also believes in illumination of the Holy Spirit, which would be miraculous. Yes, John, and I'm glad you brought that up because they make a vet. It's kind of like Charles Spurgeon on believers, baptism. Charles Spurgeon does not believe that baptism washes away sins, remits sins, or is the point and time at which one is saved. Spurgeon believes Charles Spurgeon believed that when a person it believes they are saved and then they must submit themselves to believers baptism. If we don't watch it, we won't interpret what Spurgeon said directly or or correctly. And we'll consider Spurgeon an ally on that particular teaching. And we will not be faithful to what Charles Spurgeon actually wrote or said. And that's, that's a dishonest way of communication uh, same way with with these cessationists who are also Calvinist uh, cessationists still believe in miraculous events today but they just believe that God directly works them that God is not do, God is not allowing man to have the gift of tongues prophecy revelation stuff like that so anyway let's let's let him finish and let's let, let's let him make this argument or prophets, my
1: Bible, and some apostles.
0: Yeah, so it undermines the, uh, the, the the all-sufficiency of the Scripture if we have people alive today that have direct revelation from God.
1: That I don't have everything sufficient in the Word of God, and so I need some miraculous gift to get me through, some miraculous word of knowledge, word of wisdom, some miraculous insight, some uh, divine experience some transcendent kind of thing, or I can't make it as a, as a Christian, I, I need that. Uh, that, that. That introduces an entirely out-of-control element to the closed canon of Scripture and an entirely out-of-control element to Christian living.
0: Yes, because if there are still people receiving revelation from God, then that means there's more information that I need. Do you think God are revealing stuff? Did you think God revealed anything that that I as a Christian don't need? Well, that if he's still if he's still revealing stuff, that means there's still stuff that I need. That means this Bible is not complete,
1: because people then are subject to the whim of the people they trust as prophets and apostles
0: which is exactly what was written in Ephesians 4. In fact, let's go to Ephesians 4, and I'll read this passage of Scripture. It's very interesting here. All right. So I'm going to start reading in verse 11. And gave and he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So these offices were in the church for the purpose th- that were not, um, or, or excuse me, the, these offices were in the church set by Jesus to equip the saints as a stopgap measure until the saints grew up into the measure and stature and the fullness of Christ. And once that happens, uh, we should henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Let me tell you what's happened in the first century. You had people that would say, well, I've got a revelation from God and they would speak false doctrine but they would be able to do a miracle and they would either have someone with them that was able to do a miracle of healing or some other type of miraculous thing. And they would say, see, I've, I've proven my message with a miracle. Now, the problem is in the first century, you didn't have a a codified canonized new Testament. So you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't verify, you couldn't, I mean, if somebody coming into your uh, assembly and they did a miracle and said, you know, the Jesus, Jesus is already here and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, we don't believe you. We can read in the Bible. Yeah, but I just did a miracle. Well, We don't care what you did. We care about what God said. Do you see how that goes? That's why that even if somebody come into your assembly today and could actually do a miracle, which they can't, but if they could, you wouldn't have to follow them because we've got God's written word. Yeah. Continuationism denies second Peter one, three. Yeah. Either God has given us all things or he hasn't. That's true. Now we'll let MacArthur finish.
1: And they're subject to the whim of what they feel is a word from God or a message from God. They're subject to uh, promises of healing and wealth and all of that that are illegitimate promises.
0: And in walks all the prosperity gospel preachers.
1: So, first of all, it's it's not true. It's not right to propagate something that's not true. Secondly, it clouds the issue of the word of God being sufficient and complete. And thirdly, it adds an element into spiritual living that is completely mystical and arbitrary. When all that we need is in the word of God and the spirit quickens what is in the word of God. What he's about to
0: say right now is not true. The word of God by its nature is quickened. The Holy Spirit does not quicken it. In other words, you'll you'll never you'll never go to the pulpit, open the Bible, and and pray this prayer, and it mean anything. Almighty God, I pray that you pl- send your Holy Spirit to breathe life into this dead letter. Um, I've actually heard somebody in person say that, and it blew my mind. Whenever one of our teachers at Memphis School of Preaching talked about how he heard somebody say that, it's Calvinistic. So he what he's what he's saying here is not true but the but the thrust of it is like we still if if you get revelation directly from God today that means God is not through revealing that means the mystery has not been revealed it's still concealed therefore there's still more that I need to know and there's for the last 2000 years there was more that people needed to know so they died without enough information can we even be assured then that they're in the proper that they're in heaven, or they're going to be in heaven. I don't believe people go to heaven or hell when they die, they go to they go to uh, Hades, the realm of the dead, and they either go to paradise or torment, anyway.
1: To accomplish all his goals in us, in our Christian living. It matters a lot. And that's why we've addressed it, and we'll continue to answer questions that came out of Strange Fire, to try to make sure we do everything we can to, to clear this away so that the truth can be known. People's lives are at stake. Absolutely. And people are in that movement hearing a false gospel. Many people in that movement have a false understanding of sanctification, which debilitates them and can't sanctify their, their flesh. So the truth always matters, and it's always powerful. And we'll continue to make issues that may seem to some people peripheral, make them the main thing because they have such implications as this one does.
0: And he, he says something there at the end that, that we really need to think about. And, and John Exon put up something about, you know, who cares whether or not Adam and Eve had a belly button. And there, there's a sense in which that is absolutely true. We do not need to get into arguments about whether or not Adam and Eve have a belly button. However, in the proper context, it would be a very good thing to have that discussion with somebody Um, because people are going to have all kinds of questions and you never know what is that question that somebody has in their mind that would tip the scales in their favor of obeying the gospel. Uh, Run into this with the We Talk Truth group uh, whenever we were running that hot and heavy. Um so th- this let, let me I may not get to the actual comments and stuff but um I do want to I do want to go through some of these notes I've got uh nine things that we can do to um in in and in, in to influence people positively in the realm of religious and theological debate and discourse especially on social media um it requires a strategic and respectful approach particularly in the context of these discussions uh, especially whenever they're highly, um, emotional, like cessationism and, and continuationism. So we're going to look at some, we're going to look at these nine things. Um, and John Xman says, I agree with you in speaking to arguing the matter to the point, it draws a line of fellowship and marking as a false teacher. I, I know, I know that John, but so we're, one of the things on this list is, uh, create a community for discussion. And I want to talk more about that when we get there. But that's what we had in the We Talk Truth Group. And it was, I, I was the only one maintaining it. I didn't have any help. That's the reason why we don't have the We Talk Truth Group anymore. Because we would have people come in and they did not, I don't know how to put this. They came in mucking around with our peace we had a good group. It was about 2000 members and we had all kinds of questions and people were not afraid to ask questions. But what would happen is you would have somebody come in and they would try to take over. They wanted to be the one in the spotlight. They wanted to be the one doing the answering. You couldn't push back against them, but they could push back against you. And so for instance, there was one fella that he came in and, and every for about two weeks, every time I posted something, he would under my comment write a dissent. And so finally I just checked him one day and I I just I kept pushing back and I kept defending my position. Now keep in mind, it's my house. It's not his group, it's my group. All right. I ended up being gaslit. Well, Tony, you're just argumentative. Well, wait a second. You came into my house, and for the last two weeks, every time I've said something, you've argued with me. And he wrote me a message talking about how that, well, you know, I was told that this was a good group, but it was moderated by you, and you don't play well with others, and you argue, and, and you're argumentative. I'm like, well, look, if that's really the case, and you came in here anyway, and you started poking, that says way more about you than it says about me. This is my house and I'm the one in charge. I might not run it the way you think you ought to run it, but you're coming in here and you're disturbing the peace you're gone. And of course had to get him out. And there were several others like that. Every one of them were gospel preachers. Every one of them were gospel preachers and it was gospel preachers that were on the, um, were on these quote-unquote gospel meeting circuits and spoke at the lectureships and polishing the pulpits and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, you, you don't get to do that. This is not your house. Well, I would love to have a place for discourse again, a community for discussion. Yeah. I try not to share quotes from denominational preachers anymore. When I mentioned that a while back, I got, well, Paul did, and he used Poets and Writers of the Day to teach at Mars Hill. You know, that's actually not true. Paul did not quote these people the way my brethren are quoting denominational scholars. Paul quoted those people the the way we use John MacArthur today. Anyway, I'm gonna I step back from that. I'm, I'm salty about that. What just occurred to me is that he used those writings the same way we use a denominational writing when teaching someone in a denomination what their belief system teaches and what the Bible teaches. Is that an accurate thought? Yes, that's an accurate thought. He did not extol the the poets. He did not extol the 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 Cretian the Crete. He use them saying, look, here's what they believe. Here's what they do. Here's how, what you're doing is like that. Yeah, I, I, I cannot, again, like, I'm not going to let this video of, I'm not going to let this video of do run with, um, of John MacArthur. without saying, look, John MacArthur is a false teacher. The only reason we play that video today is to show that the cessation viewpoint is not aberrant. It's not It's not counterculture. It's not back burner. It's a mainstream viewpoint. And it was the mainstream viewpoint for almost 2,000 years. It's only in the last 100 years or so that this charismatic movement has taken on so much popularity. Anyway, let's look at these. So h- how can we help? How can we, in our circle of influence, help dialogue and discourse? And as I'm t- saying these things, you you figure out in your own mind whether you would like to help moderate a help moderate a um, a Facebook group. That would that would promote discourse and discussion. John Exum says I per- personally believe that is a Romans fourteen issue unless the one using the quote is promoting them as a truth speaker. Well, that's the problem. They're they're promoted as a truth speaker. Their their stamp of approval is pasted on it, and it wouldn't really be a Romans fourteen issue so much as it would be, um, well, what does the Bible teach on the people that we extol the virtues of? I mean, you know, where where, where does it go? Like, well, I'm going to share memes from Charles Spurgeon and John MacArthur and all these false teachers that are trying to influence people to go to the destination that they're headed to or are at. Well, the Bible says don't touch them. Don't, Don't put your stamp of approval on them. Leave them alone. Come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. Drink from your own well and not the well of others. I mean, I don't know. We can, we can, I don't know what to call it, really. I just don't understand why we would share memes and quotes from denominational sources whenever there's so many sources of people that are in fellowship with God through Christ. And we certainly, to, to use Paul and saying, well, Paul quoted people that were not inspired, that's that's the height of foolishness. In fact, I'll just go and say, anybody that's used that is stupid. I don't care. I'm going to call a spade a spade. All right. Now, Now that I've said that that was stupid, let's talk about dialogue and discourse and how to affect dialogue and discourse positively. Promote scriptural engagement. That's another thing about sharing memes from like Charles Spurgeon, John MacArthur, Francis Chan, something like that. Whenever somebody says, "Hey, why why do you think we're doing that and not sharing memes from like B.J. Clark or Keith Moser or you know these?" these people that are out there that are that are preeminent that are actual that are actual gospel preachers and teachers that preach and teach the truth there's never a scriptural rebuttal it's always based on feeling and then it's triangulation go to the scripture and say i'm promoting the teachings of rc sproul Who is a staunch Calvinist, and I'm doing so because of this book, chapter, and verse. Tell me how you would justify that. Encourage a return to Scripture as the primary source of discussion. We need to highlight the importance of context, historical background, and original language, nuances in understanding biblical text. And be careful with the original languages. Don't get caught in the trap of too giving too much authority to etymology. Um, you can trust your English Bible. You don't need to know the Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic. So promote scriptural engagement. I'm not going to promote. I'm, I'm, I'm whenever I whenever I'm entering into a discourse with somebody, I'm not going to talk about how I feel. I'm not going to talk about what I think as far as based on feelings. I'm going to talk about these are the conclusions that I've drawn based on this set of data. And then we can talk about that. And, and it's going to be from scripture. So we also need to model respectful dialogue. So ad hominem attacks are the most easily recognized devolving from respectful to disrespectful dialogue. In other words, well, I believe that in order to be saved, one must be baptized because Jesus explicitly stated, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's Mark 16, 16. All right. Well, I don't believe that baptism is necessary for salvation because of for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, that is a viable discourse and a good argument And that's a good place to start. You haven't you haven't impugned the motives of either party. It's it's both of them. It's based on scripture. Well, what's your interpretation? What's my interpretation? Let's figure out whose interpretation is valid. Maybe neither of our interpretations are valid. And I I see I see posting stuff here lately about listen, anytime you make a proposition that's based on a passage of Scripture, you are teaching your interpretation of that Scripture. Notice, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. My interpretation of that Scripture is that the first clause tells me what I must do to be saved, and there are two things I have to believe and be baptized. The second clause In the negative tells me how to be damned. I simply, I only have to do one thing in order to be damned, but I have to do two things in order to be lost. So I have to disbelieve in order to be damned, and I have to believe and be baptized in order to be lost. Because if I disbelieve and be baptized, I'm still damned. If I believe and am not baptized, I'm damned. But all I got to do is disbelieve a bit. Now that that's my interpretation. If you don't believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, you've got to show me why my interpretation is wrong. And the way you do that is you articulate your interpretation based on your data set and the and the and the propositions that you have gathered and what you have studied. That's how discourse works. I'm not going to tell you how you don't love Jesus because you're not following his commandments. I'm not going to tell you that you're a bad person. We're going to stick with the scriptures and we're going to be honest. We're talking about our interpretations. We just going to have to figure out which one is viable, which one is true because we are dealing with interpretations. They're just a true and a false or not true. So we need to, we need to be somewhat at least educated on historical perspectives. So for instance, the, the issue of cessationism and continuing continual continualism, I think is what that is. Um, sharing historical context can provide a somewhat broader understanding and could, keep you from devolving into disrespectful discourse. For instance, if you are putting forth content where that teaches a cessationist viewpoint and you, somebody comments on your post, well, I can't believe you're just trying to put God in a box because you can't imagine an all powerful God. That's an ad hominem attack. That's, that's an argument to the man because it's you, you are trying. No, I'm, I'm saying that according to the Bible's teaching, God is finished with what he was doing and now there's another season another dispensation where God is still working but it's in a different way. Now do you want to talk about why I feel that way or why I've drawn that conclusion based on scripture? Because I would like to know why you why you think why you've drawn the conclusions that God still miraculously works directly in the world today. So, again, you might be able to say, look, you're, you're acting like I'm the only person that believes this. Well, haven't you ever heard of XYZ Bible Scholar? Well, you know, not that it's authoritative, but they believe the exact same way I do. So I'm not the only one and maybe, just maybe, you need to at least toy with the idea that I might be right because of all these other people. I'm I'm, I'm giving you the same courtesy. I tell you, I, every time I sit down with the Bible, especially when I'm studying a particular topic, I think about what I believe and I, I start with a, the with a premise, hey, this, this could be wrong. Let's figure out let's figure out where I'm wrong. We need to encourage critical thinking. So, we need to we need to learn to ask thought-provoking questions that prompt deeper reflection beyond just the surface. Think about this. I was talking to an individual, this is in person. So we were at a Mexican restaurant in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I believe the scriptures teach That psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs must be offered to God, must be sung, and the melody made with the heart and expressed through the voice, the lips. All right? I believe the scriptures teach that. Well, one of my contemporaries does not believe the scriptures teach that. He believes it is a matter of judgment, and you can't draw a line of fellowship over it. He said, but I would never advocate for the mechanical instrument of music. I'm like, well, if the Bible authorizes it, why wouldn't you advocate for it? I mean, that's more freedom in Christ. Now, what I did, and this is to, engage, to try to encourage him to think more critically. Like, I want you to criticize your own idea. I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions. And if I don't preface this, it's not going to go well because it's going to feel like I'm trying to set you up to hang you on a horns of a dilemma, which I am. And so we started talking about the Lord's Supper and the implements of the Lord's Supper. There is exactly as much authority to include Dr. Pepper along with the bread and the fruit of the vine as there is to include a mechanical instrument of music and my offering of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And I'm sure I'm sure that didn't convince him, but it, it at least backed him off and started him to think down the what I consider is the right road. Number five, address misconceptions directly. Uh, when faced with triangulation tactics or misrepresentations of your stance, address these directly and calmly. Clarify your position and the reasons behind it as seen in the discussion about the scriptural basis for cessationism. In other words, whenever we talk about cessationism, you know, bar some of what Johnny Mac said, like, look, you know, here's, uh, understand my position is that the apostolic age with the ending of the apostolic age, the ending of the miraculous gifts came about. And then explain to them why you believe that way and explain to them, I'm not teaching that God doesn't work in the world. I'm not teaching that the son and the Holy spirit doesn't work in the world. I'm simply teaching that there are no direct revelation or interactions between God and man, that everything is done through the word when it comes to, when it comes to how God works on the hearts and minds of men. And when it comes to how God works in the world is through the realm of providence. And there's, things that are beyond our finding out. But when it comes to having somebody in the world that can lay hands on a child and revive them from the dead, that's gone. So you address them directly and calmly and be honest with yourself. Be honest. If you have uh, shortcomings or weaknesses, I remember at the, we talk truth group, I was debating somebody over the issue of mechanical instruments of music. And, a, and it was getting, from the other person, it was getting pretty heated. And I just stopped. And I was like, look, regardless of how strong that I'm arguing and the regardless regardless of the strength of the statements I'm making, that has absolutely nothing to do with what I think about you. I said, and quite frankly, it makes me a good debater, but it makes me a, not a good person sometimes because, I separate persona from the argument. In other words, if, if I forget sometimes that a person has a core belief that is so core to who they are to argue against their position is perceived and feels like an actual attack on who they are. And I forget that. So I'm going to argue forthrightly and without mercy to appropriate some language from another brother. Whenever he was debating about mechanical instruments of music, so I'm going to, I'm going to deal with your arguments forthrightly and without mercy, but that has nothing to do with what I think of you as an individual. And that, that armed, that disarmed everything. John Exum, should I have not put my opinion on here? This is your show. No, you can absolutely put your opinion on here. I'm not I'm not bothered with that. I mean, it's just I whenever it comes to sharing memes and stuff from false teachers, I mean, there's I'm gonna push back against that. And I would always challenge and like I'm gonna I'm gonna push back with it using scripture. And the point that I'm making is that if you can't push, if you can't, if you can't defend sharing a meme from Francis Chan or Vodie Balkum with scripture, then maybe you don't need to share those memes. And I've never heard from scripture, I've never heard anybody argue from scripture why we should be sharing memes from false teachers who, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Sometimes the pleasure we have in those people who do those wicked things like preach a gospel that is damnable is we share their meme and we enjoy some of the popularity that they have. I would just be very careful. That's all I'm saying. I often wonder how much less contentious our discussions about Scripture would be if all well-known false teachers were genuinely converted to God's truth. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? All right. Use diverse media. It's something to think about. Since social media encompasses various formats, use a mix of text, video, and live discussions to engage with different audiences. Tailored content can appeal to different learning styles and preferences. I think that's why live streams are so important because I can write something and it not be taken very well, or I can speak and it, you, you, you it's not as good as face-to-face interactions. But you get to see all of my nonverbal communication. You get to hear the inflection in my voice. You get to hear the tone. You know, so, like, for instance, in the We Talk Truth group, I would go live in there quite a bit and just discuss things that were in the group. Be like, hey, we just had this big, huge discussion about XYZ that got kind of heated. We have stepped back from that, but let me give this live stream and let me clean up some of this stuff and and it typically went well. Like I said, if if any of you are listening that would like to know what you could do to help with rebuilding a group like that, then let me know. I mean, I'll I'll put you to work. Um which segues very well into number 7, create a community for discussion. Foster a community where open and respectful theological discussions are encouraged. Set clear guidelines for engagement to maintain a constructive environment. Let me see if I can find, I'm going to go down here to the We Talk Truth. I think, yep, right here. Open, open, open. Yeah, here's the guidelines for admin of the We Talk Truth group. Be overly respectful. This is a novel idea for Facebook groups that try to teach. Let's treat each other, let's treat each member like they are valuable and that they play an important part of us achieving our goals of growth of the group and viewership of the podcast because they do. Uh, We Talk Truth group was started because of the We Talk Truth podcast. That's why right now we have a Christianity Now group. So, everything that I'm going to tell you today, just think, well, we could do that in the We Talk Truth group. Validate people's comments when we interact with them, even comments that contain false doctrine. I know this is difficult, but I'm speaking from personal experience and observation. When someone is just wrong, it is so very easy to dissect their statement and destroy the false ideas. The problem with that is that prat- practically, people's identities and ideas are one and the same. We have a very emotional attachment to our ideas And it hurts us to the core when they are attacked. So even if the comment is, "Well, baptism is just an outward show and inward change," we trust in the finished work of the cross. Find something there to validate. For instance, that's a very good observation. We do absolutely trust in the finished work of the cross. I wonder why Peter. I wonder what Peter meant when he told the Jews the Saint to save themselves in Acts chapter two. Now this is difficult to do, and it's tiresome. I think if we try to do it, though, we'll grow the group and teach truth and convert souls. Try to moderate a debate between members without banning them. So just because somebody's debating back and forth in the group doesn't mean we get rid of them. Don't let someone use the comment threads as a platform for false doctrine. So this is a good mate for number three. Number three is don't ban people just willy-nilly. Um, obviously if someone is using the comment thread as a platform to teach error or is divisive, uh, we're not going to, and they won't stop. Then we have no choice but to ban them. Number five, let's try our best not to ban anyone without discussing it as a group of admins. Of course I had a group of admins, but they weren't bought into it like I was. So it ended up, we didn't have any discussion or anything. We just, I ended up having to do everything. Answer any question you feel like answering, while showing di- um, discretion when it appears that another person or admin has already begun to engage. And those were the those were the rules of the of the for the admin and the We Talk Truth group. I've already noticed that a wealth of content for the podcast can be generated from the questions and discussions here. Even if I tell a person that we are doing a podcast or lesson about a question. They ask, uh, well, yeah, even if I'm, even if I'm, even if I tell a person that we're doing a podcast or lesson about the question they ask, feel free to add to the discussion by answering their question when commenting on a thread where someone either, where someone either an admin or member has commented or answered a question, make sure we are presenting a unified front with the truth. I have worked closely with men in the past who have vastly different opinions about certain academic pursuits. That I and that, th- than I, and have not found that to be a problem. Behind the scenes, we can have all the fun in the world discussing these things, but we must present a united front to the group. And finally, our mission statement the We Talk Truth Group is for the purpose of promotion of the gospel, first and foremost. Secondarily, the We Talk Truth Group is to promote the podcast which bears its name. We want to create an atmosphere where people feel safe to ask questions and be wrong, and change their mind. An atmosphere of Christian love where everyone is courteous and respectful should really grow the group and promote the gospel and change many lives, which it did. Also, it will help us in our personal ministries. I have been heavenly involved in online evangelism since 2015, and the experience has greatly bolstered my ability as a preacher, minister, and Christian in general. Again, I'm very thankful to you all have decided to come along with me on this journey. There's no way this group can achieve the goal of growth and influence without your help. And, of course, that was true. They couldn't achieve the goal of growth and influence without their help because, well, I mean, well, it's just it's more than one person can handle. Um, so, anyway, think about it. If you're able to, to give time for a group like that and something you might want to do, holler. Um, but number seven, or, well, number eight, stay informed and educated. Continuously update your knowledge. Always be a learner. Always be a learner and, and a pursuer of theological topics. Being well-informed enables us to provide insight, insightful and accurate information and discussions. Number nine, pray for pray for wisdom. That's James chapter one. If any man, lacketh wisdom, let him, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask it of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, as with any endeavor in the realm of faith. Seek guidance and wisdom through prayer. This spiritual grounding is essential for engaging in theological discourse with integrity and purpose. Folks, we want to influence dialogue and discourse. I'm not the world's best at it. I don't think I'm the world's worst. I don't think I'm the world's worst, but I certainly have room for improvement. And I would hope that that everybody listening to this would be like, well, I I think they do. Or I I think that's true. We do have room for improvement. Um, folks, we, we've got to, we, we got to step up and uh, as, as cliche as it is, I don't know who said it, if it was Gandhi or mother Teresa or anything, but I've heard this a bunch, be the truth or be, be the change you want to see in the world. and, that's the thing. You, you, if you're going if, to, if you're going to, if you're going to affect change, you've got to take care of your own self first. We've got to get the speck out of our own eye, or we got to get the beam out of our own eye before we got to get the speck out of other people's folks. Um, I want you to turn, I want to turn your attention to the bottom left of the screen. Uh, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, Lindsay Dotson, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com Remember, it's gospel meeting season, and we're going to listen to this commercial. And as you're listening to this commercial, remember, it's gospel meeting season. And remember, if you need a commercial with voiceover and stuff like this, I made this commercial, and I would make it again. I would make you a commercial. Email me to discuss the price. But Lindsey Dotson, LindseyFayDotson at gmail.com. Are you looking to spread the word about your next church event in style? Lindsay Dotson is your go-to designer for church-related advertisements that truly stand out. When it's time to invite members to your upcoming event or share the news of a special gathering, trust Lindsay to deliver. Vibrant flyers that capture attention and set the tone. Memorable postcards that carry your heartfelt message. Eye-catching social media graphics perfect for sharing across all platforms. With a keen understanding of the needs of the events of the Christian community, Lindsay crafts designs that not only look great, but also resonate deeply with your congregation. Get in touch with Lindsay Dotson today to elevate your church event promotions to the next level. Message her on Facebook or shoot her an email at lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com Share your church's special moments and announcements in the most visually stunning way with Lindsay Dotson's expert touch. Reach out now and let your event shine. All right, we're so thankful for our sponsor, Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Uh, Deborah O'Neill says, I said that to someone once The reply. Why does it always come back to me? That's I've I've had that as well. And here's the reason why it always comes back to you. You're the only person in your life. You actually have control over. And if a change needs to be made, it needs to start at you. I haven't said this in a long time, but I used to say, um, because I would hear so many times. It's like, I don't know, people go in spurts, but I've, I've, I've got some people on my timeline and they're really down against the church and everything that they put out is like very, you just feel the anger coming off of it. They've, they've been hurt. They've been treated badly. Um, and they, uh, so they're writing and, and putting out content. That's just really negative and like trying to get people told like, I I get it. Right. And don't get me wrong. I've, I've been in seasons of my life that way where I've, you know, like, man, listen, I've, I've been negative for so long. I gotta, I gotta accentuate the positive. If it is the case that you're always getting hurt, if it is the case that you It always happens to you. It may be time to look inward and figure out why. I think about vehicle insurance in the United States of America, and I just found out this is the same way in Canada. So you purchase your vehicle insurance. If, if you, if somebody rams into you from behind, objectively, that's not your fault. But if you keep going to your insurance company, let's say let's say in the space of two years you have three accidents, but where its people have rear-ended you. Legally, you have never been at fault for any of those accidents, and you have never gotten a ticket. But your insurance company will drop you either that or they will charge you rates so high that you can't afford it. Because it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Nobody else is that accident prone. That means you're doing something that's causing this, whether you realize it or not. And they don't care about the metaphysics. It's a numbers thing. You're high risk, but I haven't done. It. I've never. I've never caused an accident. We don't care. It's just too too expensive to insure you. Well, that's why does it always come back to me? Well, how come? How come? You know, how come people always cheers? There's a fellow in the horse business. He was, but well, people just try to screw you over. People just try to cheat you. Well, guess what? Every time he did a horse deal, it went south. Every time. It's it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. So you got to be careful, and that that's why you got to change yourself first. Then you work on changing other people. That's why it always comes back to me because Tony is the only one Tony can actually control. Folks, we got the tip jar up near churches at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Uh, we also, you can support us at Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Christianity Now. Uh, you can also do a $5 a month on Substack. You can also do a free subscription on Substack. We would love for you to subscribe on Substack for free and share all of our articles on your Facebook page. Thank you so much for everybody that commented, everybody that listened. Uh, Terry Crooks, you are in our prayers for sure. Uh, John Exum, thank you. Uh, Deborah O'Neill, thank you. Oh, wait a second. Oh, yeah, right there. Deborah O'Neill, thank you. Who else? Sword and Pearl, uh, Diana Harden, and Scott Beck, and I'm sure there are others. And that's all I've got here, folks. It's been Tony with Cogitations. Remember, let's enter into discourse and dialogue. Honestly, let's just deal with the facts. Let's be respectful, not vitriolic. Let's not triangulate, and let's not allow people to do that to us. God bless every one of you. Remember, if you want to listen to these archived, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio, or you can find it on YouTube, Christianity Now Streams, and we'd love for you to subscribe on Substack. God bless you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.